let us Lord, we celebrated your goodness as we read that psalm this morning. Your love that reaches from the heavens, your faithfulness that shines brightly, your presence that never leaves us or abandons us. And so today we we give thanks that we, as we sit and as we stand before you now, we, we do so with with a real sense of faith, because we know we have experienced, we have seen with our own eyes, your goodness. And Lord, as we bring our own needs before you, whether we're standing or whether we're sitting, you know what it is that we need right now. You know the, the struggles, maybe from within or the pressures from without. You know the health issues that we may be facing or financial or relational, or even spiritual or emotional. You know what we need. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just touch each person here this morning, that we would know, not wonder or imagine, that we would know that you touch us right now. And in the, in the quiet moment, may we hear you whisper to us, My child, I am with you. Then, Lord, as we pray for others, some who are in hospital or recovering at home, others who are far away from us and, and, and need our touch, need your touch, we pray but we, we can't get to them because of their distance. We pray that you would reach into their lives and, and make a difference. We pray for Heather as she goes through her chemo. Tia in hospital, here near to us. For Renee as she recovers, for Ray as he prepares to go to hospital. For Lauren, for Ian, for Rules. For Cheryl, for Shireen's mom, and for many others who are known to us. Lord, would you, would you reach into their situations? Because we can't get to them. We, we, we often don't know the words to say. Would you reach into their lives and make a difference? Would you heal and strengthen and bless and encourage and help and give hope? And then, Lord, on a day when, when the nation is filled with euphoria and excitement and joy and celebration, I pray that you would use the sense of stronger together to, to help us to do what is right, to live right, to, to make a difference in the world in which we live in, in the communities in which we're living in, our, in our suburbs, in our street, in our homes. So we pray for those who, who live right, who speak truth, who, who, who speak out against corruption and evil. Would you protect them? Would you send your angels to God over them? Would you use their words and actions to bring light where there is darkness, knowing that your light always dispels the darkness? Lord, would you turn the heart of our nation to you? 
And again, we simply commit those who do evil and wrong to you. You deal with them, Lord, for you are a righteous, a just, but also a good God. So you deal with them. You change what needs to be changed in them. For with you, nothing is impossible. May we, who are so excited today because of sport, also be excited about living life in a very particular way, the way you want us to. For we ask these prayers and the prayers of our hearts in Jesus' name. Together God's people say, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So one of the stories about, or some of the stories about the disciples of Jesus after Jesus' ascension uh, goes about John. John, the gospel writer, he also writes the revelation or writes down the revelation that he's given. And, and he was exiled to uh, the island of Patmos, the Greek island of Patmos, where he lived out the, the kind of remainder of his life. We are told that as he neared the end of his life, however, that often when the, the people of God gathered together as church, they would leave him at home. Because he was the apostle, he was, he was always asked to speak when the church gathered together. I mean, if you have someone who walked with Jesus when the church gathers together, you say, Brother, have you got a word for us? And, and, and the problem was that, that the older he got, the shorter and the more simple his sermons got. Often he would go on and on and on about one thing and one thing only. And you get a clue to what that might be if you read the letters that he wrote, John 1, uh, 2, and 3. He would go on and on about one thing. He kept saying, my dear children, love one another. He would keep on and on. And so eventually, um, they would forget him at home. Because they knew if he came, what they would get. In the 1970s, there was a revival in South America that was started by a a uh, Spanish pastor called Juan Carlos Ortiz is a photograph of him. And, uh, and, and, and one of the things that, that Juan Carlos Ortiz did was he would preach the same sermon for four or five weeks. Same sermon. So after one kind of series, you know, after about the fourth week, his elders called him in and said, Pastor Juan, what's, what's going on? What's this? You know, have you not prepared? What's, the, what's going on? He says, well, when the people start doing what I preach about, I'll find another sermon. <laughs> mm. Okay, so for today, because of the cricket on Friday, uh, uh, you know, those last two batsmen and, and last night's rugby, oh, I, I pulled out a sermon from a few weeks ago for today. Just joking. Just joking. So, so last week, um, those of you who came to the early service, to this service, would have heard Sapu Emadi preach an incredible sermon 
about give to Caesar what is Caesar, give to God what is God's, to whom do you belong, was the title of his sermon. I, I said to him after the second service, however, I want to know what, you know, you know, you, you know the Bakersdall Marathon, Herman Charles Bosman, you know, he drank out of a little black bottle. I want to know what, what Sipiwe drank between the two services. Because you were at both services too, you know what I'm talking about. The second service, he took it up a whole other level. So I said to him, I want to know what, what you have in you. In fact, you can give me some of that. Because it was, it was, it was awesome. But, it, but he preached that incredible sermon from Matthew 22. And, and he reminded us that, that the Pharisees and the Herodians had, had, were often trying to trap Jesus, put him into a corner, getting him to paint himself into a corner and, and, and discredit himself. Of course, it seemed to be a common theme. If you could, if you could get this powerful preacher to discredit himself, it would be easy to take away his power and his influence. But each time they try to, they fail because, because Jesus just turns the tables on them. But it doesn't ever stop them from trying, you know. So, so in between last week's passage, give to Caesar what is Caesar, give to God's what is God's, and today's, there's, there's, a little, there's another little section which talks about the, the, so the, the Pharisees and the Herodians try to trap Jesus. Then when they don't get it right, the Sadducees, who didn't believe in the resurrection, also try to tap Jesus around, you know, the, the, the matter of res the resurrection. And the people are astonished by Jesus' teaching. And so we go to Matthew 22, verse 34. That's the question. What is the most important? When the Pharisees had heard that Jesus left the Sadducees speechless, they met together. One of them, a legal expert, tested Jesus. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your being and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. You must love your neighbor as you love yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. So, of course, again, this time just the Pharisees, these legal, spiritual legal, these biblical legal experts are trying to put Jesus into a corner. And, and by the time of Jesus, the, the Ten Commandments that we know had been not condensed, but expanded so that in order to keep the Ten Commandments, you were given another 428 to make it easy to keep the 10. So you had to keep 438 commandments in order to be considered righteous. You had to keep them all. So they come to Jesus and they said to him, um, they, they try to trap him. They, get him, they try to get him to commit to just one because if they, they get him to commit to just one, they can say, he's saying we can ignore the other 437. You get the logic? So they try and say to Jesus, okay, so what's, what's the most important one? Is it number one, number four, number 29, number 400, number 436, number 438? What's the most important? So Jesus starts in the place that they would have expected him to. He says, well, the most important commandment is love the Lord your God 
with all your heart, being, and mind. Now, that's pretty obvious. They're saying, that's right. But you can hear the, the question marks coming in. Like, what about the other 437? If that's, you know. So they're about to attack him for ignoring the other 437. When Jesus takes another breath and he says, the second, and now they think they've got him. The second. Mm-hmm. The second. The second is, is like it, like the first one. In, in fact, the second is exactly the same as the first one in every respect, is, is, the, is the, the, Greek, the, the Hebrew word or the Greek word. The, the second is like it. So the second isn't more important. The second is exactly like it. I want you to know it's, it, you know, the, the second command is this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. All 438 can be summed up in these two connected, exactly the same commandments. Why? Because all the law and the prophets, everything that in the Hebrew scriptures that they had up to that time, and remember they, the, the, the Old Testament was only finalized about 170 years after Jesus, when they kind of said, okay, these, these prophets we're going to include and these Psalms we're going to include, um, and remember, the New Testament was only concluded about 200 years after Jesus. So, so, so up to that point, they only, had the, they only had some of the Old Testament. But everything that they knew up to that time, Jesus says, everything you know about God and about the faith hinge on these two things. Love God and love people. Okay. What's most important? So if I were to ask you, have a look at uh, these Ten Commandments. Which one? Or if you say, if you say which one's most important, that means that that's the one that you're going to emphasize. But, but if you're going to emphasize that, you're probably going to not emphasize one of the others. So, so what one would be least important for you. For those of you that are single, do not commit adultery might be the one you say that. that I, I think that's not important for me. No, you're single. It's not an issue. Which one, which one is this important? Maybe like me, you, you work on a Sunday. So the Sabbath day thing is not important. I don't have to do the Sabbath thing. I work today. I can keep going. Or maybe your parents have passed and, and, and honoring your father and mother is like no longer such a big thing. You remember them and celebrate them, but, but honoring them is not such a big deal. Then Jesus comes and says, okay, instead of looking at it like that, Look at it like this. Love God with everything that is in you, every fiber of your being, every thought in your mind, everything you do. Love God with everything. 
And while you're doing that, not, not when you're tired of that and do something else, while you're doing that, what about, what about you love even the All Blacks? Or, or, or the English? Or Tom Curry? You get what I mean? That, that politician you, you really can't stand, that boss who just gives you a hard time, that guy at school that just presses your buttons, that neighbor, you know that neighbor. Hmm. What if you, what, what if you were so committed to God, to loving God with, with everything, that you also love people around you? You see, Jesus. And, and again, I mean, uh, Matthew says it, you know, Jesus just just blows their minds because they realized that, in fact, these two connected deal with everything. You, you're not going to commit adultery if you love your neighbor. You're not going to steal from your neighbor if you love your neighbor. You know, it just, it just is. You're not going to do, you know, 90% of, of, of the... The Ten Commandments, you, you're not going to break them if, you, if you're loving your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you honor your mom and dad. Uh, if you love your neighbor, you're not going to spread rumors or tell stories about your neighbor. You're not going to want what your neighbor wants, what your neighbor has. You're certainly not going to murder him. If uh, El Zero was here, I would say that includes Joe. Love, love God with every fiber of your being and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So, so let's, let's be a little practical. Just think about um, the last few days. Let's think about Friday, end of the work week. How, how, are you at do, how, how did you do with those two on Friday? I'm not going to ask you to answer. Aloud, I want you to think. How, how did you do with loving God, every fiber of your being, and, and loving your work colleagues, and the guys in the traffic, and the kids at home when you got home? How, how have you done? Or yesterday? Or this morning, even before you came here? Again, if you think about Friday or Saturday or, or today, how, 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 do you, how do you think your life would have been different if you'd, if you'd been able to love God with every fiber of your being and love the people around you? Just imagine how different South Africa might look if every Christian and I think the the latest stats again showed 65% of our country claimed to be Christian 
because 65% of 64 million is about 40 million, eh? Almost, yeah. That was the actuary. You'll get it to within nine decimal points, but we'll we'll go with almost. Thanks, Cole. Imagine if 40 million people loved God every day with everything and loved people around them. How different would politics in South Africa be? How different would politics and the situation in the Middle East be? Or in our world? How different do you think things in families would be where there are often these little family feuds or, or, or the office drama, you know? How different would that be? But it all boils down to exactly what Jesus says. If you if you if you want to make a difference out there, start with here. And if you want to start with here, there's a really good place to start. Love God with everything. Love God with everything. And then love people. Interesting, Jesus doesn't allow us to um to yes say yes but and Jesus deals with neighbors in that incredible parable of the good Samaritan. Yes, but the Samaritans too? <laughs> yeah. And they and they were a despised people by the Jews. The Samaritans too? Really? Yeah. Love God, love people. Something that Sir Peewee reminded us last week about was that if, um, as we deal with, with our money and our stuff, we think about who do we belong to and, and who, do, who, do, who does this stuff belong to. If we belong to God, Sir Peewee reminded us, then it has to affect our lives at every level. Uh, the as Methodists, we have this theology that doesn't allow us to compartmentalize our lives. You know, this is this is the part that God must work on in my spiritual life, and and this is the part that He must work on in my family life, and this is the part that God must work on in my finances. As 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 Methodists, as Christians, we say no, no, God must work with all of it, all the time, all of it, all the time. If we belong to God, it has to affect our lives at every level. And there's nothing that challenges us more than that commandment. The first is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and your being. And the second is exactly like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. As I prepared for this morning, I was a little tempted to think about, okay, so what could I, what, 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 what could I tell you to, to do in your life that would enable you to do those two things? Um. And, and, and I kind of just sensed the Lord say to me, don't, don't do that. Because 
what the Lord wants to do and remind Colin about, about his love for God and, and Llewellyn about his love for God is going to be different. Different. What, what, what God wants to remind Merlin about in, in, in loving people and Michael about in loving people is going to be different. And so if I say to you, you, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that, I'm going to miss some stuff. But I have a strong sense that just as we've been reading this today, you, each of you, each of us, are deeply challenged as I prepared, each of us, God has already been putting his finger on the, on the one or two things in our own lives that we need to do or deal with in terms of our love for God. It may be that we've compartmentalized our lives and we need to allow him to work in everything. It, it may be that, that we love him on a Sunday, but maybe not so much in the week. I don't know. You know what God is saying to you. And so in these next few moments, just think for a little bit about what are the things that you need to do that God is telling you to do, Jesus is talk, calling you to do, to love God with, with all your heart, all your emotions, all your feelings, what drives you, all your drivers, your mind, all your thinking, all your intellect, all your being, that which is you. How do you love God with all that is you? And as you think about that, what two things will you do today and tomorrow? If you do them for two days, do them for a third. If you do them for a third, do them for a week. If you do them for two weeks, they'll be become part of your life. What two things will you do today to love God? And then loving your neighbor. Where is, where is, who is the person that you need to stop doing that to and start doing this to? Who is the person that you need to be praying for? Who is the person you need to reach out to in love? What do you need to do to show them? Show them your love. It's, it's not about showing God's love. This is about showing your love. Because if you love God with every fiber of your being, it will come out. How do you show them your love? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. What will you do practically? I'm going to ask. Simon, to put up the, the loss, that scripture, I'm going to leave it up as we pray. And then I want you just to look at those words and see what stands out. Um, and while I pray, well, while we do that, I'm going to ask the team to join me up front. Thanks, so. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
You must love the Lord your God with all your being. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind. And you must love your neighbor as you love yourself. 